0: Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from
1: our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page.
0: We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories,
1: including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste.
0: The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear.
1: All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis.
0: Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty tasty pages. Pages.
1: This episode is brought to you by N-Spice, makers of nutrient-rich
0: seasonings and spices. N-Spice was founded in 2016 by the Murphy family with a goal of delivering essential vitamins and minerals from natural sources.
1: Each one of the products from N-Spice contains 21 plant-based nutrients.
0: In addition to black pepper, seasoned salt, and Sri Lankan cinnamon, there's a fantastic chipotle barbecue, Cape Cod, and my favorite, chili lime.
1: N-Spice is also committed to food equity, and every item sold
0: provides a nutrient-rich meal for an undernourished child. To date, N-Spice has donated over 104,000 meals.
1: Our listeners can receive 10% off their purchase by entering the code WECOOKBOOKS at www.nspice.com.
0: That's www.nspice.com. This week's featured cookbook is
1: Half-Baked Harvest Every Day by Tegan Gerhard. Hi, Johnny.
0: Hey, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How's
0: it going? I'm a little hungover from our Vegas trip. Right? It's been a few days. It, it, I'm, 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 I'm rallying. I know. Yeah. You know, I, I ran four miles today. <sighs>
1: and My I, lazy I, ass I, decided <laughs> not to go to the gym.
0: I can't say that really helped, but uh, I, it, it, I feel good. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, did I tell you about... Um, I did tell you, but I'll, I'll, I figure this is worth sharing with the listeners. This is my million-dollar idea for the episode.
1: Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yep. Uh. All
0: right, so we start this thing called the Khan Film Festival, and we show nothing but James Khan movies. Godfather, Misery, Thief. Maybe, maybe we give Scott Khan some love, and we show Ocean's Eleven. Tie it into the whole Vegas thing, uh, yeah. Uh. Charge admission at the door. It, it, Wait, it's,
1: who was Scott Kahn in Ocean's
0: Eleven? He was like uh, one of the one of the eleven. No, I
1: know. Was he the one that always was with Casey Affleck's yes. character? Okay.
0: Yes. All right. You you remember? Uh huh. So yeah, that's that's my that's my idea. Oh, sure. <laughs> How are you doing?
1: And <laughs> <I'm, laughs> since that went over so well. <laughs> Uh, I'm very, I'm very tired because I, well, Johnny sometimes runs sound on the weekends and occasionally I will, usually I will wait up. As
0: you can tell from listening to this podcast, it's very professionally done. Like all the stuff that I just set up before us, microphones, headphones, professional.
1: It took him like 30 seconds. So he gets home a little bit later and I am not used to, to staying up that late but I like to, I like to like stay up and wait for him. And when he's gone, I'll watch uh, Real Housewives of Melbourne.
0: Melbourne. Not expected. Totally appreciated. Because <laughs> you usually make uh, fries. <laughs> it's become a new tradition. Yeah, so
1: we have like a, a midnight snack. And I think there's only once when I didn't wait up for you. I mean, couldn't do it.
0: Totally understandable.
1: You have house, ke- house cleaning to do too.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at me, getting ahead of myself. Right? So excited to talk about Vegas. <laughs> All right, so let's back up a second. Take a, take <laughs> care of a little uh, Yeah, exactly. Take care of a little housekeeping. If you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, you click on the store tab, that brings you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. We've got some lists there. Kitchen Essentials for home cooks, cookbooks. Among other things, if you make a purchase from any of those lists, we get a little something in return. It doesn't cost you anything more. It's the best way that you can support what we're doing here. Look at that. That was kind of the abbreviated version. I like it. I just it. flew through it. I like it. All right. Good job. Let's talk Vegas. All right. What were some of your highlights? So <sighs> we, we went for four days, flew in Monday evening. Left pretty early Friday morning. So we we had a good like three full days there Uh and then like a a nice portion of the evening on, on Monday. Highlights. Likes, dislikes.
1: Here's one thing. A lot of the places that we went to eat, the food was very good, but the service was atrocious.
0: Yeah. It was kind of a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a lot. I would say that uh, there, there were a couple. Yeah. There were like a few. I, sh- we should preface this by saying we did not spend one penny gambling. Nope. We did not pull the one arm bandit. Uh, that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, maybe we did. <laughs> <laughs> no gambling. Uh, we did not eat any buffets. We didn't even see any shows. No. Like, I, I checked, you know, searched high and low and there were just we've seen some of the Cirque du Soleil ones. So like that didn't really appeal to us. And there just was like no one in town unless you count the Doobie Brothers <laughs> <laughs> uh, for uh, for our stay. And so it, it made the decision easy. But we found so much fun. And I feel like this was the first time that we've been that we we haven't been there in like 10 years. Yeah. And this is the first time when we really explored like different corners of the city. And we went to like the downtown area mm-hmm. and we went to the arts district and we went to the Hoover Dam and did a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. Yeah. And we ate. I don't think we had one bad meal.
1: No, I like, don't think all so either.
0: Was great. But back to your point, there were a few places where the service left a little to be desired. Yeah.
1: See, you were asking about my favorite parts. I really like the Mob Museum the speakeasy bar underneath the cocktails were very good i don't that know that was a
0: great museum just in like the content yes and the the building was in what was a former courthouse correct and then i think at one point in time it was a post office or something but a great location for it and the way it was laid out was really fantastic mhm
1: one of the drinks that you got it was delivered to you in a book it was like one of those False, uh, false books. Yeah, it looked books. like
0: a book, but it was, but it, you know, you open it up and it was actually a little compartment, so it didn't have any pages or anything, but.
1: And so it had this bottle of hooch that you pour over yeah. some, uh, some rocks. It was Great very, it was very clever. Yeah.
0: What else did I love? Main Street Provisions. Main Street had Provisions. Had a fantastic dinner there. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was not one of the ones where we suffered any like poor service. They were actually like very accommodating, Mm -hmm. very friendly. So, if you're in the Vegas area, you could do much worse,
1: right? And there's a great cocktail bar next to it called the Velveteen Rabbit.
0: We drank outside Mm. on the back patio. (sighs) It was a lovely night, fantastic.
1: It was nice to be stoned again.
0: (laughs) Uh, Our first stop upon arrival was. The area where our our old favorite dive bar haunt is the Double Down Saloon, which we visited. And right next door, conveniently. Dispensary.
1: Yes. The Grove. I think that's the first time that I've ever had a dispensary experience where I haven't um, pre-ordered online. Because the ones in Illinois, we always used to order it online. You can get cannabis
0: delivered in Las Vegas if you you so choose.
1: Although I feel like a lot of those places don't deliver to the Strip. Like they won't deliver. I believe to hotels. they excluded
0: hotels. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how that works. If you have to meet them somewhere, then it's like an old-fashioned drug deal or something, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah. So that that was great. Uh, what else? Oh,
1: there was one day when we rented a day bed and hung out uh, by the pool all day.
0: We did nothing but uh, sit out there in the cooking sun. We we did have a little shade. If over we the were bed.
1: we were shaded. I had a. Giant sun hat on. You had like
0: a like a Kentucky Derby special, <laughs> going on. and uh, had the
1: sun's, sun sunblock on. Occasionally
0: would jump in the pool. We managed to not get sunburned.
1: Mm-mm-mm. That was an accomplishment
0: because there was a few days when it it you know went well over a hundred.
1: Oh, we went to the Hoover Dam too.
0: We did. We took a guided tour. Do you know there was a kid friendly version of that tour called the Hoover Darn? <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we did the adult version of it. No, but that was great. I, I mean, it was like about a three-hour tour. Oh, wait. <laughs> three-hour tour. Um, but uh took you out there, stopped at all the important like points of interest. So you can get like photo ops. Unexpectedly, it stops in the town of Boulder City, uh-huh. and there's a public park that has a whole...
1: They're like packs of mountain goats. There you go.
0: Uh sheep. sheep. Bighorn sheep. Yeah. And they just roam, chewing on grass. Staring at you. They're completely unbothered by people. Yeah, and there's and there's like dozens and dozens of them. Yeah, that was that was really unexpected, and you could get like close enough to take some photos. And
1: here's the thing about the Hoover Dam that I wasn't expecting. Because like I've always said, I'm only afraid of heights. Where if I fall and I injure myself, then I'm afraid, like falling off a ladder or like right. falling off like a second story
0: balcony. So once it gets up high enough where you know that you'll probably perish, then I fall. don't care. Yeah. Okay.
1: But oh, this did not apply at the Hoover Dam because when I you know, they there's a bridge and then you can go and like kind of lean over and look at mm-hmm. the Hoover Dam and I could not lean over. I was like getting dizzy. It made it, it my was... knees
0: buckle and and I you know, we've seen plenty of photos. This was our first time visiting. You can't even comprehend the sheer size and scale of this until you visit, because even the photos just do not do it justice. And then they recently, well, not recently, within the last 10 years or so, they completed this bridge that goes from the Arizona side to the Nevada side that kind of overlooks the dam Mm -hmm. that I believe they said was like 15-ish stories Mm -hmm. up or something. It's huge. And... You're on this bridge, you've got traffic whizzing by on one side and then over the railing on the other side is this, you know, 15 ish story drop down to a a certain death. And then you're just staring at this enormous dam that was created, you know, in the 1930s all by hand without the use of, you know, big machines yeah. as they would use now just all manual labor and it just it's it's stunning it gives it's me stunning. anxiety
1: just thinking about yeah. it just like leaning over Ugh, no
0: and you know served a very important purpose because it provided electricity and water to that entire region not mm-hmm. just nevada so uh it, it quite the marvel yes recommend it if you if you ever make it out there anything else what about you? I'm doing all the talking. Oh, uh, food favorites were... Uh, and this was a place that we just kind of stumbled op- upon, literally, because mm. we were in the downtown area, and it was called La Thai, and it was like a, a Thai food mm-hmm. joint, you know, very casual, not fancy at all, and just got some real simple, like, fried rice dishes and stuff, and it, it was, like, it was wonderful. That food was so fucking good. Yes. Um, and then just down the sidewalk was just this kind of unassuming dive bar called the Griffin that we just kind of walked into. You know, we were like, oh, this looks interesting. We go in. It's like these... Plush vinyl. Booths oh, it was great. Sitting in front of like an open fire that they they had going, and we just kind of sat up at the bar. There was like very few people in there. There was like some regular that was like way too drunk to be <laughs> served any more alcohol, and she was like swearing into the oh, bar. Oh, yeah, and,
1: I forgot about her. I mean, it was
0: it was just like one of those experiences where you really got a taste of the local flavor. Uh, it was such
1: a nice surprise, too. Well, and then we went to and then next we moved on to that other bar.
0: Downtown cocktail. Yeah. Lounge. And that was kind of
1: lame a little bit.
0: It was OK. It seemed a little rundown because I think there was probably a time when it was very popular and kind yes. of fancy and it seemed a little tired and old. That, that, is, that is
1: that's a good description of it. I
0: mean, the, the, cocktails, the cocktails were, were great. great. They're, you know, they're they're pricey because that's what they do. Uh, you know, it's a craft cocktail bar. Um, I didn't have an issue with that as much as just you start looking around. There's hardly anyone in there. The uh, chairs have like rips, rips in and, them and stuff. <laughs> and Not in like a fancy like boho way. It was like, you know, these were once new chairs and someone kind of gave up caring long ago. Yeah. So that was all right. Can I tell the story? Of, of you at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know they say what happens in Vegas Do stays it. in it's, Vegas. A, it's but this is this is. <laughs> oh too, my
1: God, I'm mortified. Do it.
0: All <laughs> right. This is too awesome not to share. So, hey, <laughs> we make no apologies. We went here to like tie one on and tie one on we did most nights. But we were responsible about it. We took lift rides everywhere. I'm a big fan of Lyft. So, you know, when you're imbibing... And getting around from destination to destination, <laughs> don't be a dummy. Take a lift, take an Uber, whatever. Uh, and we also, I think, did a pretty good job of determining like when we were getting a little too tipsy and making sure that we got ourselves back to the hotel room just yep. for like personal safety. We don't want to be out on the streets like sloshed and like stumbling yeah. around, and then you have someone like mug you or something. You know, like so we're trying to be aware of our surroundings and whatnot. So anyway, short story long. We were out imbibing one night. We get back to the hotel room. I think there was more drinking going on there. And then at some point, I can't remember if we were already kind of sleeping or if we were about to go to sleep. We were about but, to go to sleep. And so I went into the to the bathroom in the hotel. Nice bathroom, too. Planet Hollywood. It was all right. I don't go to Vegas to like hang out in a hotel no. room. So it, it was fine. I go to the bathroom. <laughs> I can hear our hotel door Open and close, and I go out. Victoria's not there anymore. She got up. All you had on were a pair of sweatpants, nothing on top.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: Uh, I open the door and I see you kind of like walking down the hallway with your hands over your breasts, and I was like, Victoria, what are you doing? Of course I was covering my
1: boobs. I'm modest. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't remember this at all. I had to remind you the following day. I don't remember
1: it. I wish I did because it's fucking hilarious.
0: You you mumbled like, ah, I I was looking for you or something. Why you thought I had went went out into the hallway or something. (laughs) I mean, fortunately, you were out there for just like seconds. (laughs) And then like as soon as I was like, Victoria, come on back. Like you... You kinda of stumbled back into the room and probably promptly went to sleep oh, or something. Oh, I'm such an asshole. No, it was great. It was a really funny moment and until the day I die I will laugh about it because it was awesome. I and can't
1: I can't believe I had the frame of mind to like actually cover my boots. Right? Like. <laughs> when you don't remember going out in the hallway at all. Oh.
0: I, you know, so if, if you were staying in the planet Hollywood during that time, you really missed out. <laughs> And seeing Victoria's fantastic rack. That's oh, all I'm saying. Oh, thank you, baby. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> what are we drinking, by the way?
1: We are drinking a spicy mango margarita. You're back on the margarita. We show. are back on the margarita. Man, we had so many fancy cocktails in Vegas. I kind of just wanted to go back to simplicity. If,
0: if you count up uh, <laughs> making simple syrup, juicing limes, getting some uh, spicy salt ready to rim the glass right. uh, simple.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Dirtying up our blender. <laughs> <laughs> just a little something you whipped up. All right, so let's talk about what we just finished up.
1: We just finished um, "California Living and Eating" by Eleanor Maidment.
0: Um, that was a good one. It was. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have some thoughts about that when we get to uh, actually discussing it on a future episode. Um, you're still working on "Fabulous Modern Cookies"
1: by Chris Taylor and Paul Argan.
0: So you made two things from there, right? Yep,
1: I made the raspberry lemonade cookies and then just yesterday I made this uh smoked almond bark. It's it's like a cookie but it has no eggs in it and it's like spread out onto the sheet pan in like one big sheet.
0: Um, and it's got smoked almonds I had and a little bite, but that's about it. I'm yeah. looking forward to having some later on tonight.
1: It's got some sea salt caramel chips in it and some chocolate chunks. Yeah. Oh, you. Yes. Um,
0: and then we just are, well, tonight we're going to be starting uh, a new book, I Dream of Dinner by Allie Slagle.
1: So we're actually going to we're gonna feature that one That's, instead of just do a one-off?
0: Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, yeah. all right. There's some good stuff in there.
1: Okay, I'm here for it.
0: Um, and that, that leads us into what's for dinner tonight?
1: We are doing a surf and turf because Johnny is making a... Ginger scallion soba shrimp situation. Situation from this book, and I'm having a giant steak, and we're having some uh, asparagus with it.
0: Land and sea.
1: Land and sea.
0: Beef and reef. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> Slaughter really dirty. Water and water. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should I keep going? No. Oh, okay. Why don't you like fun?
1: Oh wait, here's a funny thing. Johnny went to go uh, empty the recycling. He's like, yeah, I saw there was a a Crystal Geyser box box in there. He's like, that'd be a good porn name. Crystal
0: Geyser. (laughs) This is what, if you were married to me, this is what you would experience. (laughs) nonstop comedy at the house, in my presence. Um, All right, let's talk about our show question. And this was a good one. We put this out mirror- 24 hours ago Uh and we got an overwhelming amount of response so my apologies if we don't get to all of these otherwise this is going to be like a two-hour episode but i was really kind of surprised by the amount of replies people are passionate about what their favorite cheese is people love cheese which is the question you want to start us off
1: yes uh joseph p said coatswald
0: otherwise known as pub cheese yep There's a 790 square mile area where this is kind of native to. And in 1966, it was uh, designated an area of outstanding natural beauty. Wow. Which is the same award that Victoria won (laughs) last year. (laughs) Right?
1: Yes, that's exactly it. (laughs) <laughs>
0: You're in good company with this, with this cheese. Go ahead. Victor K said, anything that's wrapped in plastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey B said, Swiss or pepper jack?
0: Okay. Cat uh, B said, feta. Mm. That, that's the first of many votes for feta. Yes. People like their feta.
1: They like their salty cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, both Melissa G and Deanna K said, Greer. Which
0: is kind of a hard Swiss. Oh, it's...
1: But it's a little bit more um, sharper than Swiss. It's, oh, it's one of my favorite cheeses. Kimberly M.
0: said, impossible question. A good gorgonzola or brie or an Irish cheddar or a Wisconsin curd. Squeaky fresh from the dairy. And she also <laughs> loves a Cypress Grove purple haze. Mm, that's, that's a good choice. That is.
1: Yes. Uh, Bill S. said, a nice hard cheddar. Okay.
0: And then uh, our friend Cairo C., uh, I'm gonna butcher this name. Do you know how it's pronounced?
1: Uh, I think it's Formé d'ambert. Okay, but I think so.
0: And you you did a little research on this because you know well, we're, we're, no, we're not we're not half stepping in this show. It's so. um
1: it's a it's like a French blue cheese. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna
0: like. Is it, bl- is it native to like a specific area, or I would assume? I didn't or, look that up. I okay. just want I just looked it up to see exactly what it was. Okay. Um. Yeah.
1: Uh, Shelley C. said the same thing. She, well, she had mentioned and, that it was in her top five because she is a cheesemonger. Yes,
0: I was going to say, a good friend of ours that we've known for decades that we used to work at record stores mm-hmm. with, and now she is a uh, serious cheesemonger, actual cheesemonger. Yes. That's her, that's her gig.
1: Uh, but her favorite one now is uh, Elk Blossom. It's a raw milk, alpine-style cheese, and it's covered in all these beautiful... Uh, yeah, that's
0: alp like A-L-P as yeah. in alpine, like you um. said. <laughs> it's
1: covered in all these beautiful colored flowers
0: Yeah, if you um, do nothing else Look it up Because you'll see photos And it's it's gorgeous it, It's super you pretty You won't want to cut into it I know, right? You'll just want to stare at it
1: <laughs> uh, Iris F. said brie It's just timeless
0: Timeless brie mm-hmm. Our friend uh, Jen M. said uh, manchego Which is like a sheep cheese native to Spain mm-hmm. Aged anywhere from 60 days to 2 years
1: I discovered I kind of like the young Manchego as opposed to the aged one, which is funny because I usually like my cheeses more aged. You prefer aged.
0: Manchego's earlier work over their <laughs> The older... later work sucks, man. Yep. <laughs> Typical
1: hipster.
0: <laughs> right. Um, at Lena Cuisine 2021 said uh, Roquefort, which mm. is uh, another sheep cheese uh, native to South France. Kind of a blue cheese.
1: Yes, Chicago said, all of them. Equal opportunity lover. Yep. But he also had Swiss for sandwiches.
0: Okay. See, I think it depends on the sandwich, personally. Absolutely. But Swiss is a solid choice yes. in, in some occasion. At Mary and Liban Kitchen said, so many. Parmigiano Reggiano. I think it's Reggiano. Reggiano. <laughs> Stilton. You know, we were going to stay at the uh, Stilton in Stilton. Las Vegas. <laughs>
1: nah.
0: but, uh, they were all booked up. <laughs> uh, Brie, Gruyere, uh, Comte, which is like a French cow's Swiss cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got?
1: Ja- at Jackie Cook's food said, this question is cruel. Yes, we are. We are very cruel uh, and we're proud of it. Yep. Uh, but I'm going to have to say Camembert. And she especially likes it fried and breaded.
0: And that being a cow's cheese native to the Normandy region of Northwest France, uh, it's got a lower butterfat content than brie. Mm-hmm. And then at Maxwell Gregory, 2018, said, "I'm a feta girl." Drunken goat is another favorite. Oh. Uh,
1: Drunken gold has a lot of memories for me because I like it was kind of the first like fancier cheese that we ever had get to that <laughs> all right one, one more
0: pick um
1: uh, megan Megananigans. megan megan we've, we've had
0: this discussion before <laughs> 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 and i always have to correct you you gotta say it you gotta pronounce it the right way megan
1: Yes, there you go said feta
0: another vote for feta mm-hmm. oh we had a last minute entry i lied so okay. there's one more uh at art by heather cutts said gouda or an extra, extra, extra old cheddar, add some crackers and fruit, and you're living. Agree. Yep. What'd you have for your picks?
1: My favorites. First one I think would be Humboldt Fog. Okay. And um that it's made by the Cypress Grove, which are American cheesemakers. And it's a bloomed bloomed rind. Same as
0: the aforementioned purple haze. Purple haze, haze
1: yep. It's a bloomed rind. It's got a cream line and in the center, well, under the rind, it's got like a nice cream line. And then there's like a crumbly center with a line of ash running through it. So good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also another one of the first fancier cheeses, you know, that I had.
0: When you were like uh, a rookie cheese aficionado, Mm -hmm. just getting into it, just Mm -hmm. getting into the cheese game.
1: Yep. Uh, The next one is Valenciennes. I have not been able to find it anywhere
0: tell us about vale it
1: okay well it was on the cheese the cheese board at uh, one of the restaurants that I worked at um, was that your
0: first exposure to it yes okay
1: it's pyramid shape it's got an ash rind it's made out of goat milk um, I can tell you this it makes a wonderful sandwich when you pair it with some uh,
0: you can do it I believe in you <laughs> right a little cheese humor for you
1: it makes a wonderful sa- sandwich when you pair it with some goat leg confit and then you stick that under the broiler
0: was it, was that a special on the menu it was my special it was a, a on special on victoria's <laughs> menu. It, it, <laughs> it was
1: what i would eat for like my meal every day and then the bartender would be like hey can you make me one
0: of those mm. yeah
1: Off-menu item. Off-menu item. And I have not been able to find it anywhere. And I usually ask every time. I was looking on one site, and it said that it was uh, pasteurized. But in the reference book that we have, it says it's raw, raw milk. And the last time I asked a cheesemonger, they were like, yeah, um, the regulations for, like...
0: Where are you asking that? Because I I feel like the people that work at Aldi would probably get pretty annoyed if you were like, oh hey, God, do you sh- have a nice <laughs> Valencé?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was at Kowalski's.
0: Carry on. But they said something
1: about how it was really hard to get that over. Because it's unpasteurized? Customs. Yeah. So. Which
0: is interesting because one of the cheeses that um, someone else mentioned in their list, I don't recall which one it was, but it's but it's also like an unpasteurized cheese as well. So I yeah. was wondering if it was like, Widely available within the U.S. or not? What else you got? Anything else? Yes,
1: um, a pois. It's a washed rind. It lo- it looks like your standard brie or camembert. Um, it's a washed rind. It's cow's milk. It has a stronger flavor, and the more it ages, the more custard-like the cheese gets.
0: Does it have a gooey chocolate center?
1: G- pretty much. <laughs> and then the last one is Gorgonzola Dolce.
0: Yes. On my list as well. Okay, well, I'll let you talk about that then. I I don't have anything to say about <laughs> it <laughs> other than I fucking love it.
1: I think I introduced you to that you too. D-
0: you very much did indeed, and it and we we still and it, and it's available at our little like kind of like regular chain shitty grocery store in the neighborhood, which is kind of surprising.
1: They have some decent cheeses yeah. there. Uh, like uh,
0: the, 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 Someone in the cheese department's an overachiever. Uh-huh. An overachiezer. Man. Nah. The, the, they carry stuff that they, they it's better than it needs to be. Yes. Because people I agree. are probably just running in there for like blocks of uh, pepper jack. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. Kudos to them. Yeah. What else you got? Anything else? That's it. Um, I mean,
1: I could go on for forever. This
0: is another one of those questions where this list could change completely the following day as I thought about it more. I'll start with Drunken Goat. Yeah. Mostly for nostalgic purposes because, again, that was another one that I can recall when we first started dating and we're trying to impress each other and be fancy and be more refined adults. That was like something. And and I don't think it was like as readily available as it is today. And then there's of course like imitators and and variations Mm -hmm. of it. But, but back in the day it was kind of like a special unique thing. you You had to go to like a whole foods or something to get it. I'm always down for a good creamy brie. Mm -hmm. That sounds weird.
1: So you like the triple cream? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Anything that just gets like nice and gooey and and melty after you let it sit out for a bit. Put that on some crackers or some bread. Delicious. I don't know if you recall. There was like a semi-hard cheese that we used to enjoy that was kind of lightish orange, buttery color. Had like this nutty... Slightly sharp flavor. I believe it had holes resembling Swiss, but not a lot of them we used to get it a lot. It was probably at one of the stores that we would frequent. And for the life of me, I can't really remember much more beyond that or like the name of it or anything. It was just like when we were putting together a cheese plate or something.
1: Can you believe I actually don't remember? Uh, I, know. I could
0: be misremembering some of these characteristics or something. But,
1: <laughs> You're but just like, making up this fucking yeah, cheese probably. in your head. In, in my dreams, it exists.
0: <laughs> it, it totally could be possible. <laughs> uh, I appreciate a good Limburger. And we, yes. we served that at our holiday party last year, and it was a very divisive cheese. Like, we had people that were like, this is amazing, this stinky cheese. And we had other people that were like, people actually eat this? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing. My only association to Limburger was from the Tom and Jerry cartoons, where there would be, like, piece of cheese that said Limburger, and it had, like, the stink lines of emanating course. off of it. And it's funny because I there was one time when we made a pizza and it called for telegio, but I knew like where we were going like taleggio was not an option. Mm-hmm. And so it said limburger was a great substitution. And, and we got it. it. Was. Yes, and telegio would be another one of those that is on my list too cuz okay. it's nice
0: and funky and argh. yeah. Okay. Uh halloumi Yes, I'm a sucker for good, Squeaky you know. Cheese. Yeah, slicing it up uh, thin and then frying it, and I'm I'm just you know I, I think most people do not associate being able to like throw cheese in a frying pan and get a nice crisp crust on it, and it's just it's a unique cheese, and I appreciate that. Um,
1: so that's that's all I have. All right. Yeah. Good list, Balmer. We should
0: probably talk about this book since we're like a half hour in and Shit. we haven't done anything yet. It's kind of like when you show up for work at your job, <laughs> and you spend like the first half hour just like surfing the internet, grabbing some coffee, talking to coworkers. Yep,
1: I know that very yep, well, actually. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Scrolling through
1: Twitter, yep. whatever, looking at Instagram. You
0: know. All right, so this book uh, arrived around the same time that uh, Tegan's previous book, which we featured already, The, the Half-Baked Harvest Super Simple, We got them both around the same time. This one features 120 flavorful recipes focused on kind of like what she uh, classifies as like flexible eating. Each one featuring her signature gorgeously styled photographs. Lots of kind of comfort food items that try and be nutritious. We'll talk about whether we think they were successful or not. Each recipe also includes a handy set of icons that will indicate if it's uh, things like dairy-free, vegetarian, gluten-free, under 30 minutes. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I guess without further ado, we'll dive into the dishes we made and then we can discuss them in a little more detail.
1: Bullet point list, sweet potato nachos. This
0: allows me to take a sip of my margarita.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe if you'd stop interrupting me. Carry on. Drink up. Uh, sweet potato nachos with the works salmon cob salad with nutty green ranch old school peanut butter bars with fudge icing coconut shrimp with double the sauce and spiced blackberry whiskey sour all
0: right all right let's talk these sweet potato nachos cuz i i speaking personally this was kind of a favorite
1: it was like i like the idea of Flipping the switch on nachos yeah. because corn chips are not super. I mean, corn chips are fried; they're not super healthy. Yeah. So,
0: you might as well get something in there like sweet potatoes. And I think this is something that we've made a, a time or two since, mm-hmm. um, because it's it just lends itself to like a real quick and easy meal that you can toss together using like a variety of things that you might already have in your pantry so it's it's a good pantry cleaning refrigerator cleaning yeah meal
1: so the sweet potatoes um get seasoned with onion oregano red pepper smoked paprika chili powder cumin garlic it's like half of the quarter well maybe an eighth of our seasoning cabinet there's a really great flavor on those and then it it gets topped with some those get roasted and then it gets topped with some black beans some shredded cheddar and pepper jack cheese fresh avocado all these kind of
0: mexican flavors Mm -hmm.
1: and then there's a greek yogurt ranch sauce Oh. it was super simple
0: cross-cultural pollination
1: yes and I'm not a fan of ranch, but this didn't like speak super ranch to me because it was like yogurt with a little bit of buttermilk mm-hmm. and some chives and dill and parsley.
0: Not going to find this this at your uh, local neighborhood sports bar. No, with probably the, 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 not. the gas guzzling pickups out in the parking Ugh. lot, Coors on tap, 63 big screen TVs. I bet if you asked them for sweet potato nachos. They
1: would laugh at they'd you. They'd chase you out. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, should we talk about salmon cob salad (laughs) with Nutty Green Ranch? (laughs) I have nothing else to say on that subject. (laughs) Oh, let's just get this out of the way right now. What are your thoughts on ranch? Ranch is fucking terrible. Uh Uh-huh. I hate it. And how did we end up with like two recipes from this book that had a variation or a riff on ranch dressing?
1: But here's the thing. To me, this did not seem like a ranch. I agree. Because it was like, well, it called for cashew butter, but we weren't about to buy a whole thing of cashew butter. So we got like one of those little packets of almond butter. Mm -hmm. So we used that. And then I had lemon juice, Dijon, parsley, basil, garlic. Like there was no buttermilk or no sour cream or mayo, which is like key components for a ranch dressing. I mean, like the...
0: And that's kind of typical of most of these recipes in the book. They're they're kind of like take... Something familiar and then just put a little spin on it. Uh Maybe in an effort to make it more healthy, maybe in an effort to make it easier, maybe. Or to
1: like attract, like a lot of people like ranch dressing. Yes, correct. So we'll just say it's a ranch. Right,
0: right. Um, Um, And then unlike the classic Cobb salad, which would feature grilled chicken, this has salmon. We did a little spin on it from the recipe.
1: Because they called to cook the salmon and the bacon in the oven at the same time. I know that our, because like, we always get the cup bacon. So mm-hmm. the bacon always takes much longer to cook. And plus. That got, salmon
0: would have been obliterated yeah, if the bacon was going in at the same time. Absolutely. And were waiting for the bacon to finish.
1: And we got skin on salmon. So I'm like, I'm going to sear this fucker so that we can have some crispy salmon skin.
2: That's also
0: what Victoria says at the uh, stoplight when we pull up next to someone in our Prius and she's like, I'm going to sear this fucker. And then she like takes off from the stoplight. (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) You just, well, you made me look ridiculous and more (laughs) badass than I actually am. So thank you for that. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, It had cherry tomatoes, some avocado, crumbled feta, sliced hard-boiled eggs.
0: I mean, this is probably the kind of thing that we would make for, like, a dinner or a lunch Mm -hmm. if we were just, like, kind of throwing something together from a pantry or something. And, you know, the fact that it had, like, some nicely grilled salmon. Old-school peanut butter bars with fudge icing.
1: Yes. So this was right when I started having to i was figuring out that i needed to go Mm gluten-free so i think this was actually the first dessert that i made it was good yeah it, it uses almond flour so it's uh, gluten-free but rather than using actual peanut butter there is this uh, powdered peanut butter mm-hmm. we've uh, mentioned this before yeah, yeah.
0: i mean we it's, love it
1: it's got 90 lo- percent less of the fat it's delicious it doesn't have any like artificial flavors or colors or preservatives
0: what i like about it is you can kind of mix it to your own personal desired consistency so if i you want love thicker-
1: my i love my peanut butter like super like kind of gushy
0: to quote a technical term.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it very,
0: very thin. See, I think I prefer it a little thick. Let's, Don't let's, we all? La, <laughs> la, let's, let's ask our dog, Olive, <laughs> how she prefers it. I think she likes it lip smacking.
1: She likes it lip smacking. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> and this just gets topped with... um. Some chocolate chips uh, with a little bit of coconut oil in them. Super simple recipe. And this time, like, I was actually smart enough to wait to cut them and take photos of them. Because whenever whenever I make bars, I always make the horrible mistake of being like, let's take photos right now.
0: You, you can't he, cut into these until the time is right.
1: You got to let them sit in the fridge and just solid up.
0: Oh, we took this to the next level, too, because we did a little uh, sprinkle of smoked sea salt. Smoked sea on salt
1: top. on the top, yes.
0: Yep. You're welcome,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Tegan. Mm-hmm. Um, anything this one else is to all, on this?
1: nope, this next one is all you though. And
0: uh, these froze really well. They did. So, I mean, these were something that we enjoyed for several days mm-hmm. after, and they, they were great. Per usual. I, I was the uh, the lone shrimp eater for for this, and th- in in uh, this book, it takes us to coconut shrimp with double the sauce.
1: It looks super good too. I always get so bummed out
0: that you can't have the shrimp.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, like you I make all this good. I wish I could this say this
0: was terrible, but it it was pretty good.
1: You make all this good looking stuff, and I'm just like. Ugh.
0: So this recipe offers two choices of sauce both of which the author promises that you need. I have some disagreements <laughs> about that. I wasn't personally sold on the honey pepper sauce. I which, tasted
1: both of the sauces yeah, too. Yeah,
0: the spicy honey mustard I thought was pretty banging, but the other one I could do without, and that would have saved me like some work in the recipe. You coat the shrimp in panko, and they do have gluten-free panko, m'lady, but that doesn't really... Take care of your shrimp allergy. No, this is, this was like your arch nemesis, I know, like right? gluten and shrimp.
1: Maybe stick a cat in there, and then right. we got we got the trifecta. <laughs> no. Hold the cat while you're
0: preparing it. Sure. Uh, so yeah, you bake this in the oven after coating it with panko and shredded coconut. Uh, it does make for a more kind of healthy-ish option than frying. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I, I like experimenting with different shrimp recipes. I'm, I'm kind of weird about coconut, if I'm being honest. Like Are I, you? I fucking I, love coconut. I love coconut, but I feel like it's a little weird and savory dishes. Kind of how I feel about pineapple. I think just the whole coconut and pineapple thing, I'm a little selective about how I prefer to enjoy them.
1: I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah.
0: So it it was it was okay. totally fine. I I enjoyed it. I remember when we made it. I was like enjoying it. So yeah, I, I think this is when I figured out too that like three quarters of a pound of shrimp, like the perfect amount for Johnny here. <laughs> like you get a, you you go in and get a pound of shrimp. It's too much. Yep. And then I'm like uncomfortably full after trying to eat a pound of shrimp.
1: I love that you're like stuffing down like a quarter pound more shrimp than you need to because you're like i gotta eat this i don't want leftover right
0: yeah the leftover shrimp not <laughs> no. good you're not heating that up in the office <laughs> break room the following day
1: well the office break room is our house yeah so. we don't want that no
0: um all right and then we, lastly, actually, we actually
1: worked at a place where there was a woman who would like uh, it. <laughs> Eat I a remember. fish in the microwave. What kind of rube do you have to be to do that? Anyone who is listening, if you do that, you or suck. Are
0: No exceptions.
1: No exceptions. If I don't heat care. If you eat up
0: seafood the next day in your like, communal office, break room. You are the worst. Yep. All right. Lastly, spiced blackberry whiskey sour. Whiskey spelled with no E. Mm-hmm. Per the uh, Scottish and Canadian preference. As opposed to the American and Irish, mm-hmm. interesting. Sure. Is Teagan Scottish?
1: Swedish. You think,
0: yeah, I believe so. Huh. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I remember reading about it, but now I, I just d- don't. I, I didn't don't. really
0: have the the uh, interest in like investing in the 10-second Google search. No. Because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, yeah there you go. Okay. No <laughs> e- whiskey.
1: Okay. This had a few components. There was a spice syrup. Which was made on the stove. It had maple, star anise, cinnamon, orange zest. And then the actual cocktail called for you muddle blackberries and lemon juice together. You know, your
0: typical everyday cocktail mm -hmm. recipe.
1: And then you you shake it up with the um, whiskey and it gets orange bitters, and then garnished with some rosemary that you light on fire. Not a
0: vegan cocktail mm. either.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's got an egg white in there. right? I totally wouldn't miss that. Now,
0: it, to be fair, that that is listed as optional in the recipe, mm-hmm. but to get the nice kind of fluffy... It gets a nice
1: foamy yeah, white cap on you top. You kind of need that. Yeah. So. Well, like a bourbon sour, like a pisco sour... Like, a lot of the sours ha- generally have an egg white in them. It felt... This drink was very good.
0: It was stunningly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The, the photos we took were great. Uh, if you, if you want to wow your dinner companions, make this drink. I take issue with the fact that it's, like, an everyday drink. It, it was is like, not an everyday drink. It was fussy.
1: Unless you're making, like, the... Huge amounts of the syrup. I and don't whatnot.
0: consider delivering this drink with a smoldering rosemary sprig every day, uh-uh. but uh-uh. it was delicious. Um, I will say that <laughs> <laughs> quality of ingredients.
1: And I did. I had one sip because of this. What he's going to talk about? Because I was like, I don't want any
0: part of that. Yeah. So quality of ingredients is key um no reaching for that uh bottom shelf bourbon or the jug of log cabin maple log syrup cabin,
2: <laughs> <you> <laughs> asshole. which, which kind of sucks because now like I,
0: I ended up throwing that away and we actually have like this nice bottle yeah. of uh like artisanal bespoke boutique maple syrup hmm
1: so we're so fancy yes but yeah he used he used log, log cabin. you use log cabin i was uh, like i'm piecing out of this i don't yeah. want any part of it i had like a sip of it and i was like it's good but
0: mm. should we move on to the most critical amazon reviews uh, it was the worst most critical Amazon reviews. It should be noted that at the time of this episode, there were over sixteen hundred. This book just came out earlier in the year. Yeah, like people love their half-baked harvest. Uh-huh. I found a couple. There mm-hmm. were there were more, but these were the these were the most entertaining of them. So, uh, do you want to kick us off with the sure first one? Sure
1: thing. Okay, the first one was from Mark, and uh, he gave it one out of five stars. And he said, rehash of recipes from other cookbooks and her website. Waited all day for the delivery only to do... De- whoa, whoa, wait, wait,
0: wait. <laughs> Can you picture this guy being like, clear my schedule.
1: <laughs> I've got a, I've got a cookbook delivery. I've, I've got an important
0: book delivery. <laughs> I'm going to be waiting around all day. Anyway,
1: continue. Um, I love... <laughs> Like, I feel like he's like a dog, like sitting out at the window waiting. And as if that was like any concern (laughs)
0: or critique of her, like you waited all day. Well, it sounds to me like, Mark, you need to get a life. (laughs) Anyway. Good. You know, they have these things called mailboxes that if you should happen to be away... They will will put them in there. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. I love her recipes usually, but I'm disappointed in the rehash of recipes. For the naan sandwich, at least post the recipe for the naan. Uh, Everyone can make scrambled eggs. Anyway, not many items in the book will be made at our house. Should have waited till it came out to buy it. Okay. But that doesn't make any sense because you still would have it. I guess you just didn't like wait.
0: Well, uh, probably what they were saying is like they pre-ordered the book. They wish that maybe they had like waited until it was released so they could like oh, maybe preview it, page okay. through it. That's, that's my okay. take from it. Okay, hey, you, uh,
1: you're so much smarter and <laughs> dip, more <laughs> diplomatic than <laughs> I, I am. You give me
0: way too, too much credit. Okay, I'm like, that's this, dumb. this next review comes from 153440, right? That's a username. That just name. rolls off the tongue. Uh, They also gave it a one out of five stars, and they said, it's a no for me. I don't have confidence in the recipes. I've tried a couple of recipes, and they were major flops. Just something about the proportions being off, making textures that didn't seem right. When I tried to troubleshoot and look at corresponding reviews on her blog of similar recipes, I was a bit put off by the dismissive responses to what I thought was helpful criticisms. I have cookbooks with greater success rates that I rely on for consistently good dish. That brings us into our own rankings. Food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria?
1: Okay, I'll give it a five because everything was really gorgeous. And the backdrops were mostly like... Uh, dark wood slate and like this rust colored uh, situation but i felt like everything was like it was like really perfect in perfection you could see like the salt grains being l- laid out sure with a tweezer um and to me i feel like that can be a detriment to someone who is looking at these
0: photos and it's like especially a book that's targeted to everyday cooking i know
1: there's there's like tons of like beautiful like edible flowers and stuff i feel like you're gonna look at these photos especially like something that does purport itself to be everyday Mm -hmm. you're gonna look at these photos and be like fuck no i can't do this correct like it is a lot
0: it's intimidating
1: it's a lot and it's weird to me because like all the there's a lot of
0: photos of her she 27 to be exact According to one Amazon reviewer I didn't bother counting Because no. again If I'm not going to take 10 seconds To uh, look up what her heritage is I'm not going to take more time To like count the photos in the book Yeah Of like, her
1: All the photos But there a lot Like the chapter photos Were all of her Lots of photos of her Wandering around in her wellies Yes Or like a white lace dress In flower fields <laughs> As you <laughs> like, do. As you do. That kind of annoyed me. And here's the thing. I get if you are like a big celebrity, I don't think Tegan is like
0: Quite at that level. No. Quite popular, but not yeah. quite at that level.
1: But yeah, I have to say I feel like it like this the photos were so fussily styled that it can be be is that a intimidating. Term? Yes. <laughs> that it can be intimidating. Sure. Would you give it?
0: Okay, so this is the first one where I felt I had to kind of offer two rankings. So what? if I'm grading the photography and styling on their own merits, I'll give it a five
2: because
0: mm-hmm. they are gorgeous. They're perfect. If I am evaluating it as it relates to the theme of the book, I'm going to give it like a three and a half. So let me clarify. <laughs> yeah. Per usual, the food photography is gorgeous. This is an area that I think she really excels at and is probably the reason that her blog and her cookbooks are so popular to begin with. Strangely, there's a lot of photos, including all of the chapter intros, as you mentioned, of her. As I mentioned, there's an Amazon reviewer that apparently counted them all and said there was like 27 photos of her. Not all of them having anything to do with her, with food or cooking. It's it's like her sitting on the ground in a rose garden like flowers in the background it's it's weird the food photos all have this kind of luxe sexy like richness to them i mean this is like the definition of food porn Mm -hmm. they're they're gorgeous photos but even though these photos are unquestionably appealing they don't really support the like everyday aesthetic of the book i agree with you they're Overly stylized to mm-hmm. the point of being like intimidating, as you mentioned. So rather than show any kind of restraint or like awareness of the styling and props, they went all in on this. So, or just much. kind of was like, I'm not going to change my aesthetic, even though that this particular book might benefit from that, might call for that. And so that's where I really have a problem with these is, is, is you, you should have enough awareness of like your brand and the theme of this book in particular to know when maybe it's time to exercise a little restraint Mm -hmm. and rather than do that they just kind of shoehorned all this stuff in there or just refused to really adapt or change or something. So that's where my rankings kind of came in. Is like, you know, if you're just looking at these purely from a photography and styling point of view, then five all around, no question. But as it relates to this book, was it like the best option? Not at all, Mm -hmm. at all. So three and a half. Okay. Design and layout. What'd you give it? Another three and a half. Okay, the font size is too small. (laughs) I feel like with the design and layout, she's she's kind of swimming in the same waters as Magnolia Table Mm -hmm. and going for that vibe. And and maybe she, you know, she's probably already well on her way to like branching out into other things besides food and like beauty and fashion and this and that. Like trying to create like a whole brand with what she's doing. That probably explains some of the like author portraits within the book and and the amount of them and the fact that they have really nothing to do with food. The dedication at the beginning of the book thanks the HBH community and reads, I hope this collection of recipes brings new delicious ideas to your kitchen. I don't know how to interpret that. Is it that these were a collection of recipes from the blog or the website or is she just referring to the book as like a collection of recipes? You know what I'm saying? Because there was some critique about whether these were like... Yeah,
1: the recipes are recycled.
0: Right. And so I almost feel like maybe she's alluding to that at the beginning. Like, you know, hey, this is this collection of recipes from the blog. Thank you for supporting me, blah, blah, blah.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I definitely got that vibe where uh, these are not... There wasn't a lot of time spent on like creating original recipes it was more just recycling things that you probably had access to previously or they were just like a spin on something that already existed so for instance an astute amazon reviewer pointed out that in the original book there was a recipe for a molten chocolate cake with whipped vanilla mascarpone is that how you pronounce it
1: Mascarpone, oh. uh, but I always mispronounce it. Like it's one of those words See, that I mispronounce, and I call it mascarpone. Marscapone.
0: Sounds like more fancy.
1: I call it mascarpone, but it's mascarpone.
0: mascarpone. Okay, but now in this book, there's a dark mocha lava cake. Similar thing. Uh-huh.
1: Um, you th- what? You throw you threw like two tablespoons of uh, coffee powder in there,
0: right? So now in in the original book, there was a euro or as. A, The kids around here pronounce it gyro Gyro. with roasted garlic tzatziki and feta fries. And then in this book, there's like a sheet pan meatball pita with garlic fries, tzatziki, and the works. Original book, tomato braised lamb shakes with uh, Parmesan mashers. In this book, red wine braised short ribs with uh, whipped provolone cauliflower. So just like clever spins on it, but like very similar dishes where it just seems like she's kind of revisiting stuff from a previous book and then just like putting a spin on it. Yeah. I did appreciate the kind of at a glance guide for special needs. So whether that was like 30 minutes or less, one pan cooking pantry ingredients, blah, blah, blah. The recipe format itself is pretty clean and easy to follow. Each recipe has a companion photograph and fits on a single page But there was a lot of negative space within those pages. And I think that they could have increased the size of the font and had less photos of the author Uh and made for a little bit more easily legible recipe. A lot of the recipes have notes sharing like tips, tricks or substitutions. All the recipes have prep, cook and total times. More on that later. They also have the yield and then then any like designations from the guide. So that'd be like gluten-free, whatever. So three and a half.
1: Okay. What'd you have? Well, I gave it a four. It started off with the prerequisite uh, ingredient pantry section and it was broken down in nine. Can we just put
0: that to bed? Can we just? Like I know, right. Put a moratorium on that.
1: Oh, and I mean, unless. And, then, and the
0: one in this book was nothing special. It's just like, oh, really? I should have eggs and milk in my refrigerator, right? So flour dumb. in my pantry.
1: And then it was broken down into nine food categories, like all the usual suspects: like breakfast, lunch, yeah, pork, beef, chicken, yeah, bah. The font, I agree with you, the font was small. Yes. Uh, The third of the left page uh, is the recipe title. And it's got, like you said, it's got the prep time, the cook time, the total cook time, and the serving, the servings. Also, like the key indicators, like is it gluten-free, dairy-free, is it 30 minutes, I have to say. Those times are wildly inappropriate. We'll get to that. Yes, I was going to say, I'll Um, get to that. And I like that each component of the recipe had its own ingredient list. Oh, and also on the first third of the page, there was the introduction, which I kind of felt like a lot of times was like really overly effusive. Like,
0: ugh. The... Head notes for all the recipes are lengthy, and they almost read like a diary entry mm-hmm. or something. And they're 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 a little they're a little much.
1: They are. Yeah, they, I agree.
0: I think these are another one where we mentioned before. Like you're either gonna love them or hate them. Yeah. I mean, they definitely like when you're sitting there trying across. to when you're
1: sitting there trying to like convince someone that it's like really awesome. Yes. Like it's so good yeah uh so yeah i gave it a four oh the layout was clean and nice sure. and fine but i think some of it was bullshit agreed we'll get to that go ahead degree of difficulty
0: um okay i gave this a three for this particular book it should be a one or a two but I it agree. was a three yep. i agree with you uh There were some errors on the recipe pages, which would make for a very frustrating experience if you're cooking for them. So, for instance, page 39, it's categorized as dairy-free. It's the garlic yogurt (laughs) with poached eggs. But but it offers no substitutions for the yogurt. It just jumps right in. Like, you guys, this is great. You have to make it. And then you know the ingredient list, and boom, first thing up there is Greek yogurt. And
1: oh, it's it calls for like Greek yogurt. Yeah, I mean, it oh. it, it,
0: it makes no offers for substitutions or anything, and it, okay, it's, yeah, whether it was like classifying it as dairy free or offering substitutions, mm-hmm. and which it did not, because I I checked. Mm. Um, apparently, there were others. I didn't find them, but I didn't look that hard. Um, I mentioned previously like the different uh, how it would kind of recycle similar recipes from previous cookbooks. Mm-hmm. I think the prep times that were provided for each recipe are wildly off. Because I agree with most you. most of them seem to have a very standard default prep time of 15 minutes. I agree with you. And then you start no. looking through the recipe and it's talking about like thinly slicing shallots chopping these herbs roasting these beets and then cutting them just like all the things that were involved and it's like you know this would take even a professional probably more than 15 minutes Mm -hmm. even if they were very efficient and skilled so i don't know who tested these recipes but it seemed like they underestimated the time that it would take in order to shoehorn this into like an everyday recipe type of book there was, like, another recipe on page 43, the naan breakfast sandwich. And the mm-hmm. ingredient list includes two pieces of naan. And then it says, I love making my own naan. If you prefer store-bought, that's okay, too. But there's no...
1: Recipe for the no naan? There's no
0: recipe for naan, as, like, the Amazon review pointed out. But, but also just, you know, if your preference is to make it from scratch, that kind of takes this recipe out of the everyday realm. But you're not yet,
1: yeah, you're not going to be sitting around just making some bread right. for a breakfast sandwich. But yet you
0: chose to still shoehorn this in and be like, "If you want to get store-bought naan, which is not my preference, I prefer to make my own. That's cool, but yet why is this recipe in the book then?" Right? You know what I mean?
1: Well, <clears throat> there was also a a ravioli recipe called for using uh wonton wrappers. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, that's not even ravioli, really, right, and it's probably easier to it making fresh pasta is super, super easy. you right. just need the room to do it, but like you can like roll out like I, and you don't even need a pasta maker it's gonna take a little bit of time, but I mean you can roll out your own sheets of pasta mm-hmm. but like using uh I don't know just using wonton wrappers feels yeah. like a big I just cheat I, to I me. felt like
0: a lot of this book was sending really mis- mixed mm-hmm. messages it was kind of incongruent with the whole everyday angle of this book strangely all of the recipes featured Himalayan pink salt <laughs> <laughs> And there was a little bit of a little mention in the front that if you want to use kosher salt that's cool you know that that's that's like the whole vibe of this book was like If you want to do it this way, that's cool. Even though like that way would probably save a lot of time and probably would have been a more Mm -hmm. appropriate for, you know, something that's angling for everyday easy cooking. But yet she so often refused to compromise from her preferred method. And it was it was just a really frustrating like once I became aware of that, which I don't think occurred until after we had cooked through this it became really frustrating mm-hmm. like once you start evaluating it on those criteria it's it's a very frustrating book to look through and and kind of be aware of those mm-hmm. what'd you have
1: i gave it a 2.5 i mean we chose
0: easier recipes
1: some of the some of the uh, Recipes in the book had larger ingredient lists, which I think would scare some people off. Sure. That in combination
0: with the gorgeous food photos. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and here's the thing too. I feel, I I don't know. Does this go into taste? I feel like maybe what I'm going to say next should go into taste. I feel like she's kind of like she's trying to say like these recipes are a little bit more healthy or whatever. I didn't feel like they were...
0: Not at all. Like lots were of breaded adult. stuff, uh-huh. lots of like comfort food type of items.
1: That ne- that comment needs to go down on taste. Let's sure. just switch that
0: down there for sure. that.
1: Yeah, we'll pick that up. So taste, what did you give it?
0: Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. I thought we made some nice choices with our own recipe selection. Agree. And I enjoyed everything uh-huh. that we made. But I do agree with you that for a book that asserts itself as, you know, easy everyday cooking and healthy-ish recipes. Mm-mm. I don't know. There was a lot of breaded stuff, there was a lot of pasta, there was a lot of bread. There was a lot of what I would consider like comfort food. Mm-hmm. I think you could do better. If that's the angle you I, I I feel like there was a disconnect between the promise of the book and then the actual recipes. Yeah.
1: Well and especially, especially since she's like on a farm and whatever. You yeah. have plenty of great produce, I'm sure. There's stuff that you can grow. You have access to everything, you know. Like, well, so why do you need to, like, it I feel it was it almost
0: bunch- a symptom of... She took this, like, everyday thing as, like, someone probably told her, you know, like, you should do an easy everyday thing and, like, continue with, like, what you've built off of your brand. Yeah. And rather than actually spend the time creating recipes that were appropriate for that she just like dug through the archives and was like oh this this could be easy to make and you know what I mean there was a little bit of a disconnect between Mm I 100%
1: agree with you
0: the main focus of what the book was supposed to be and the recipes that she chose to include in the book Mm -hmm. It just came across as like, these are healthy-ish when in reality, they're, it's kind of a mixed bag. Some were, some weren't. Yeah. And I don't know. What did you have?
1: Um, I gave it a four. I don't know. I, I do think we, because sometimes we have like really poor choices. We're like, why did we pick that? Right. But I feel like this time, everything, everything like all the recipes we tried were like solidly good.
0: Yeah, in light of some of the other criticism, I feel like we did okay yeah. with, like, the dishes that we chose.
1: But I feel like there was nothing extraordinarily, like, original in the book.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, a twist on a cob salad. Ooh. Yeah, ooh,
1: you know. Well, and you go into any restaurant, they, like, usually, like, in the options, there's, like, an option to get, like, turkey or salmon or whatever, like, yeah that's not anything new
0: okay that brings us to our gastro obscura portion of the show exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions experiences and ingredients where are we going to this week Victoria
1: okay so we are going to Casu Marzu Italy and I don't know how I'm gonna get through this (laughs) um it's maggot pecorino come again maggot pecorino okay Okay. so like think of like
0: hey i I like how you kept this in the cheese i
1: know Uh, right i'm pretty smart huh
0: but you kind of lost me at the maggot portion of it
1: so okay like you're slicing into a nice wheel of like aged pecorino Mm. you open it up and there's like this wriggling mass of maggots in there
0: (laughs) nope hard Um, pass
1: if it's in kasu marsu, that means everything is perfect. Um, so it's kind—it's kind of called rotting cheese. And That's she- an understatement. Mm-hmm. So the cheese makers, okay, they—they they start the process by cutting a small hole into a wheel of sheep's milk cheese, and then they leave it outside. And the flies slip into the openings and they lay their eggs. So this is
0: intentional. This wasn't... It's, this,
1: it absolutely is. Although
0: maybe this started as an accident at some point. Like someone accidentally cut a hole in the cheese mm. and this is what happened. And here we are. Gross. Ugh.
1: Okay, so... Ugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the flies lay their eggs and the larvae hatch... Their larvae hatch, which are maggots. And those excretions b- from the maggots, they break down the cheese. <sighs> okay, so.
0: So what you're saying is you want to try and make this at home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay.
1: So <laughs> there is a gooey liquid that is known as lagrimas, which is tears, and it will start to leak through the rind. That's how you know the cheese is ready to eat. Mm. Mm -hmm. apparently it's very pungent and it's really sharp much like a ripe gorgonzola so the maggots are called cheese skippers and they are able to
0: they they, they name them how cute
1: they're able to jump a few inches so people who are eating the cheese are advised to (laughs) to wear eye protection Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> um, when they're unsealing the wheel.
0: So when should I book our trip to Italy? Oh,
1: my God. Okay. So as if a maggot mag in the eye, you know, that would be really unfortunate. Uh, but if, like if you eat them raw, like if you eat them live, that's not good because they can damage your insides. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. You'll get like pain and nausea. This cheese comes with
0: a warning label. <laughs> you have to sign a disclosure. <laughs>
1: Okay, and you can't buy the cheese if the maggot's already dead because that's a sign it's gone bad. Um,
0: Oh, that's when it goes bad. Right. When the maggots die. Okay.
1: Okay, so, but plenty of people will take... Oh, oh, God.
0: (laughs) This is like torture for you.
1: (laughs) Oh, Plenty of people will actually take take the risk and eat the live maggots. Um... They might smash them okay, up. Okay, define plenty. Okay, but I don't know. I have I have no numbers for you, babe. No numbers. They, like, they'll smash them to death and smear them on, oh, like, smear them with the cheese the on worst. a flatbread. Or they will seal a piece of cheese in a, pl- in a zip bag, and then when the sound of, like, the maggot stops, then they'll eat it. Oh. Uh-huh. Because then you know the cheese is not bad. I should have th- had a
0: disclaimer at the, at the beginning of this uh, segment. And just right. Been like, if you are eating or thinking about eating, don't listen to this because this is disgusting. Okay.
1: And here is the thing. This is not the only place that does maggot infused cheese.
0: Oh, great.
1: In Italy, there's a uh, Marcetto in Abruzzo uh, in Calabria. Calabria? Calabria. Okay. There's a place in Friuli. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. It's
0: it's sweeping the nation. I'm
1: done with the maggot cheese. Yep. (laughs) Tell me a joke, please.
0: Uh, I will. But first (laughs) you got to do the summary.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. If you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Uh, Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books and
0: our facebook is at we cook books. all right in keeping with the theme of the show no. i've got some cheese jokes oh, for you okay. not maggot jokes okay cheese jokes all right clean, clean cheese jokes okay well this is one that you can tell to youngsters kids nieces nephews what do you call a dinosaur made of cheese gorgonzilla hey. Hey. Although
1: a lot of kids aren't going to know what a gorgonzola cheese is. Well, it,
0: it, now you're overthinking it. Yeah, right. Gorgonzola.
1: Yeah, you try. You try and tell that joke tomorrow at the barbecue, and we'll see how it goes over. I,
0: I will. I'll report <laughs> back. Do you know what uh, cheese is the favorite of the Pope? Swiss cheese, because it's holy. No, right? <sighs> I, I got one. I got one more for you. This is going to redeem myself. Palmer. Why would you smother a burrito in cheese sauce? Because it was the best queso scenario, right? (sighs) No. I thought it was funny. Of course you did. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone.
0: Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry.